Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This week we're going to talk about something every trans person deals with, though we wish we didn't have to. But life and transition can be complicated and these things happen, so let's examine transition setback. Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the hands that are always there to catch me when I fall, Susan Bridges. Hello. You have no comments about that intro? Cis isn't a bad word. If you think it's a bad word, you're probably a bad person. That's your song. Okay. Our guest this week is Caitlin Carroll. She's a marketing and communications executive that leads RTI international efforts to better enhance and improve the workplace experiences and lived realities for historically excluded populations. Her work currently focuses on enhancing communications that support racial justice initiatives and support the LGBTQIA community. In addition to her current role, she served as a marketing director and CEO for national and international trans rights organizations and has presented to European Union delegates on hate crimes and violence experienced by the trans community internationally, the Irish Legislature on Trans Rights and Healthcare, and U.S. Embassy Dublin on ways to better enhance trans rights and legal protections. She's a storyteller and an activist that hopes to continue to share trans stories that lead to transformative education and social change. Outside of work, she creates art and poetry and is a self-declared nerd who loves all things DC Comics, cyberpunk, and Transformers. Welcome, Caitlin. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so uh, in your bio that you included, the Irish legislature has a very specific name, but I wasn't sure that I could pronounce it, and I was pretty sure I would butcher it. So how do you say that? Oh, gosh, you're putting me on the spot. I might not have the best pronunciation of it either, but I believe it's said as the Aractus. Aroxis? Um, Aractus. Aractus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. So the work that you're doing out there to support trans rights is like so important. And how did you how did you get into all that? What's it been like for you? Because yeah, I imagine that having uh that, that it's tough to have to continually tell cis people actually trans people do deserve equal rights over and over again. Yeah, it's it's kind of wild how I ended up in marketing. So all the way back when Mad Men was first on TV, I was watching yeah. it and I was enamored with the ability to do advertising. And as much as Don Draper is a conflicted character, the way he tells stories, I was like, that's so cool. Um, I really wanted to get into it. So I found myself started by like working in like H&M, doing like in-store marketing stuff. And then it morphed into doing kind of like marketing for education organizations. And then when I came out in 2016 um, and then came out publicly in 2017, I was working for an organization that was doing like education marketing. And then it led to actually the opportunity 
to start telling my story. Uh, my undergrad college, Randolph-Macon in Virginia, actually reached out and was like, hey, you have this religious studies degree and a master's in it. Do you want to talk about like being LGBTQIA plus like faith? So I was like, sure, that sounds great. And then from there, it just kept going because I was like, I at least am having these opportunities to tell stories that other people aren't. Yeah. And if I do have that opportunity, I need to use it. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I got started. And then since then, really, I've been lucky enough in, in marketing spaces to focus a lot on the things our community is facing and helping educate corporations or small businesses on how supporting trans people actually benefits their business, but also benefits the entire community. And, and I've really kind of enjoyed this career path. That's really cool. Um, but is it intimidating when you have to speak to like, you know, like government officials and be like, hey, give us rights? I mean, it seems like that would I would be a little freaked out. Yeah, it it has been been scary um, a lot of times. Um, so like here in the U.S., it first started. I worked with like the organization Freedom for All Americans. They reached out and were like, hey, do you want to share your story? And at first I was like back in 2015, I was like, well, it seems like the culture is getting more accepting of us. So so sure, I can I could do that. Um, and that was kind of the intro. Um, and then actually working with a couple of like letter writing campaigns here in North Carolina and seeing some of like the NC legislators actually get behind trans rights. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them now are scared to publicly talk about it, but that was an intro and an experience to go. These people are just people. And I think one of the biggest challenges all of us have is we see people with government titles and think they're in the special class that, that we can't hold them accountable or can't call them out. And, and maybe it's just because I, I've always been someone who hasn't put a lot of stock in honorary titles. And I'm just like, yeah. this person has a title. Yes, they're a senator, but their opinion's wrong. So Absolutely right. I'm going to hopefully talk to them. And I've tried to use that to kind of like counter the nerves. Um, definitely while working in Ireland, I think talking to the Iraqis there was probably the most encouraging experience because so many of their elected officials do understand the trans community and are trying to do more. Unfortunately, the rest of the culture and the society is, is still fighting back. And because of COVID and the Trump effect internationally, the society there has gotten to fight back against trans rights, much like in England. So yeah. that side of it has been challenging and was part of the reason I ended up moving back to the States was just because of multiple threats um, that were against me. But but still hearing those legislators start to understand and start to do more work and publicly make statements in support of our community was, was really encouraging too. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, like, I don't know anything about um, the situation for trans folks in Ireland, but um, I know that it's not great in the UK, just like it is here right now. So it's it's yeah. sad to hear that, you know, the the emboldening of bigotry has sort of spread and, and it's a really depressing thing. Absolutely. And I think one thing that is really important to also kind of note and think through is so many of the U.S.-based anti-trans organizations their funders are donating internationally. Like it's become their their international hobby. And I think yeah. the work that we're doing back here in the States, as hard as it is, is also going to continue to impact internationally and hopefully lessen those negative experiences as well. Let's hope we're all fighting for that better future, right? Absolutely. 
I do want to say, though, that um, mm-hmm. holding people to account, like, it's important that we realize we all can do that on some level. And because, yeah. like, for example, uh, I do have a day job. Yeah. And I work for very large companies. And I work, I, I'm at a reasonably high level. So I feel like I can speak out on things that I didn't used to feel like I yeah. could speak out on. And also, like, today, like, if you work for a big company, you probably have some kind of instant messenger. Guess what? The president, HR, like they're all on there. Run all of those things yeah. are on there. So it's important. Like it just you can do a lot of different things if you just say, you know what? It's this person's job yeah. to say something or make a policy. Mm-hmm. And if you see something, you can say, hey, I noticed this. What's going on? Maybe we can talk about ways to fix it yeah. or make it more um, equitable. Well, yeah, like um, one example was I was working for a huge company when George Floyd happened. Mm-hmm. And the company I worked for is based in Atlanta. Yeah. So there was a large number of black people and mm-hmm. they said nothing right. on Monday. So I was mm-hmm. like, I just reached out to the head of HR and I'm like, don't you think you need to say something? Don't you need think you need to make some sort of statement? When are you going to do this? Yeah, and not yeah. even just, I mean, it's important to do that, like, socially, but for all of your employees, that, like, all of your Black employees, they need to know yeah. you have yeah. stance on It was that. outrageous. Yeah. So, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to message them and yeah. say, I've noticed you haven't said anything. Yeah. Your employees yeah. have noticed you're not doing anything. Yeah, and with trans issues, I think it's important for the cis folks out there listening to know that they will listen to you more than they'll listen to us. So if you notice mm-hmm. things that are not, you know, equitable in terms of trans rights and acceptance, It if you speak out, it will do a lot more than us doing it. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to chime in on that, like the company that I work for is, is huge. And I just came on board in January, but they kind of had this entire awakening as an organization in light of George Floyd. Um, and luckily, like the organization had employee resource groups prior and, and because of the leadership of our Black employee resource group, they actually had that direct line in conversation with the C-level staff, and it's been transformative. You know, it, it's launched whole new initiatives. Um, even just this last week at our organization, our Pride ERG actually led, and this is the first time I've ever been in an organization that did this, and it was a webinar on how to actually make research and surveys trans-inclusive and to actually make sure trans people are crafting the questions. And I was sitting there and I was like, I shouldn't be shocked that this is the first time I'm ever hearing it. Yeah, like that's amazing. Yeah, but also, yeah, because of that empowerment at at the organization of everyone has that voice and everyone has the voice to to ask for changes, it's led to that. And I was like, that's just really cool. And hopefully like for the research our organization does, we start to see kind of some of those those like what is it the return on investment of making yeah. sure that we're we're working through adjusting how we do research. Absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, we have a couple of little questions we like to ask to help people get to know our guests better. So for you, uh, what has been the best thing about transitioning? Oh, probably the best thing about my transition is I I always knew I was different, even back to being a kid. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, like as a three or four year old, I was, you know, lip syncing to Madonna and having conversations with my mom when she wouldn't let me go to kindergarten dressed like a girl. And I was like, but mom, you're a girl. Um, and so for me, it, it was when I was finally able to come out as an adult to just be myself. 
um, and feel embodied for the first time in my life. Yeah. Um, the way I've kind of described it to other people was so much of it felt like I was watching someone else live their life in yeah. like the world's most boring at the movie. And I was like, and now I'm actually an active participant in my life and seeing things in, in color instead of just everything being muted. Um, that has probably been the highlight and the new friends that I've made. Um, my journey was a little bit harder in terms of losing family and friend groups. And, and the friends that I've made over the last eight years of being who I am, I would do it all over again um, for those people that are in my life. Yeah, it's it's amazing when people really, really see you and know you and then accept you that there's nothing like it. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the flip side of that coin, then, uh, what's been one of the most uh, difficult parts of transitioning for you? Uh, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is the most difficult was going through a divorce um and and the challenges that came with that both yeah. emotionally mentally but also kind of like economically um my wife and I had been together for 10 years before we got separated and just kind of growing growing apart and both of us having that opportunity to pursue our freedom the the challenges it made was oh I had to take a step back and go well I don't have the money to to pursue like laser hair removal or right. I don't have the money to pursue a confirmation surgery and kind of having to take a couple of years to kind of almost just reorient myself to where I was and how to get accessible and affordable health care um, was one of the hardest challenges because all of that also took place in the midst of COVID. So yeah. I was going through a separation, going through a divorce, and then also didn't even have safety in going to healthcare providers because they weren't doing anything. So that I think was probably the hardest um, coming out of those three years. Yeah, it's it's it can be tough because, you know, when you come out and you tell people uh, the ones who don't accept you, that that's a big upheaval. But yeah, yeah, there's other, you know, things related like it's a, it happens to a lot of trans people yeah. that come out that are married, you know, that the relationship doesn't survive that. And it's really hard and it's a whole extra level of really giant life upheaval. Yeah. Uh, that happens. So I'm really sorry you had to go through that. I came out better on the other side. And I will say like the partner I have now, I adore. So yeah, I, I'm really lucky on that side too. I'm very glad for that. <laughs> um, okay. So after this episode, uh, if people would like to find you online, where can they do that? Uh, so most of my social media is still pretty private. Um, but I do kind of every once in a while accept new people on Facebook. So if you find me and send me a message and say, hey, you heard me on the podcast, um, it's Caitlin Carroll that way. Um, and then also on LinkedIn, uh, Caitlin Carroll. Um, and I think the backslash is Caitlin Carroll 48 or something um, that LinkedIn assigned to me. Um, and that's where I kind of do a lot of my public advocacy work and share the work that I'm doing in the marketing space too. Excellent. Okay, so let's discuss transition setbacks. This is something that I subconsciously knew going in and probably even consciously knew on some level. Few things in life happen in straight lines with uninterrupted forward progress. So why would transition be any different? Honestly, though, that's how my transition had been going up until the start of this year. And it was elating, right? I was constantly moving toward being the most me that I've ever been. And while it was slow because transition is a process, it was a gradual, constant improvement. But two things happened around the start of this year that dramatically impacted my transition, and it was really tough for me to deal with. 
So my hope is that by talking about them, I can help some other trans folks out there realize these things are normal. They suck, don't get me wrong, but they're also to be expected. Stuff happens, that's life. And I think if I had been more consciously aware of that, they might not have hit me quite as hard as they did. Um, I kind of ended up feeling a bit blindsided, which is my own fault for thinking things would just continually get better forever without interruption. But things had been going so well, and I was feeling so good that the more I became the true me, I guess I stopped thinking about anything going wrong. So let's start with the least serious of the two, though both were still very big problems for me. I've mentioned many times how changing my body pre-transition away from the quote-unquote dad bod that I had was uh, still a very real part of my transition. It allowed me to get closer to me before I began my social and medical transition. And you can see the Trans Tuesday on Body Hacking for more on that, which was also episode 9 of this here show. But I want you to understand exercise has been a very real part of transitioning for me. Not as much as hormone replacement therapy or my hair or my clothes, but still really important. Even now, years into my transition, I consider it vital. Because if it stops, it means my body will, in some ways, transition back toward where it was pre-transition. And that's awful and frightening thing for me because I don't want to be associated with that body at all. Around the start of the new year, I was doing bicep curls after my push-ups. Normal exercising for me, part of the routine I did often, but for some reason something went wrong in my left bicep. I don't know exactly what, because I didn't go to the doctor to get it checked out. It didn't seem to be anything super serious, it was just maybe a pulled muscle or something. But it meant I had to rest it for weeks. I think it took almost a month before it felt basically back to normal and I could get back to using it to exercise. And guess what? In that time, I had lost so much of my arm and upper body strength. Like, so much. Because but we gained a really cute cart for groceries. But that's true. Because I couldn't carry them up the stairs anymore. And so you went and got a got, cart got for a me to load cart. them in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, again, though, I'm fighting HRT at every step. I love, love, love being on estrogen, but it's not kind to muscle definition. And uh, nearly a month with no activity had seriously depleted my strength. I could barely manage 100 push-ups in sets of 20. Now, I know, I know some of you are going to be like, that's still a lot. And for some people, it certainly is. But it's a third of what I was able to do before, a drastic reduction. And it exhausted me, and I was totally wiped out from them. And that kind of crushed me because although it didn't change my physical appearance much, my biceps definitely got smaller. I don't know if anyone could tell but me. But I knew the truth you know, that I'd backslid and thus moved closer to where I was pre-transition. Caitlin, I wanted to ask you if you've encountered any kind of obstacles or setbacks in your transition that completely surprised you, like things that you maybe never even realized would be something that could happen that would make you feel like you were losing progress. Yeah, so I think for me, kind of getting getting on HRT, one of the things that was hardest was was kind of similar to what you were talking about in terms of exercise. How much lower my body was to change and also yeah. how much longer it actually took me to recover um even kind of within that one of the things I was doing to get in shape as I started HRT was I actually joined an, an MMA gym um like they wow. did self-defense so I was learning like Krav Maga a little Mai that's Thai, cool a little BJ <laughs> yes it was a little like jiu-jitsu too that's and, badass yeah and so like that was really cool but also I I was someone that I had played sports all the way through um my entire like middle school high school college yeah. life so i was used to like running around and just having endless stamina and i just remember it was like two hours in to like an mma class i'm like yeah it's fine i can do a four-hour class and i was just like 
I'm I'm done. My body is, <laughs> is worn out. Right. Um, and and I just didn't expect that. And and even within it, like that that got me down this whole path of also understanding like the whole the whole sports debate thing as well. Yeah. Like, our bodies are so different. So um, different. Yeah. And and then also realizing like I couldn't just eat all of the jars of pickles because it would go straight to my hips. I'm just like, oh wait, I, I can't just just eat anything I would anymore. Um so that was that was a little bit of a challenge too. And I think also one of the things that that has been kind of like a harder setback was starting kind of like facial laser hair removal and then kind of COVID coming up and then losing access to it. Yeah. And then having to kind of like fight with that. Um Luckily, I was able to talk to my doctor and get a cool prescription that also treats like facial hair growth. So that's that's kind of been able to jumpstart everything going better. But those, I think, were kind of some of the ones that that stood out for me of unexpected and then like unexpected just stoppage of care in the middle of it. Yeah. Losing all of that muscle definition like really terrified me. It was so hard to deal with because if there's like a timeline with a slider, with pre-transition me on one end and 100% true me on the other, it had clearly moved toward the wrong end, however slightly, and that made it feel like the walls were closing in on me. It felt like like the unending sea of dysphoria was there just behind those walls and the cracks were forming and it was threatening to come in and drown me again. And and you can't rush, you know, muscle healing or strength training. I'm only just now getting back to where I was before I got hurt. And it's been really tough to not push myself too hard to try and get back faster because doing so would likely only result in me getting hurt again. There was literally no way to make it go faster, which meant I had to just sit inside those cracking walls, feeling the trickle of water begin and do my best to slowly and methodically patch the cracks before I drowned. And then in the middle of dealing with all of that, a much larger setback happened. I mentioned in the Trans Tuesday on anecdotal trans healthcare that I didn't know there were two kinds of progesterone and I'd recently switched. You can also find that as episode 20 of this show. What I didn't tell you in that Trans Tuesday is that while the micronized progesterone has absolutely helped me with breast growth and developing small but very real hips, apparently madroxy progesterone that I was on before suppressed my testosterone a lot more. And so when I switched, While I got those great benefits I've been wanting for years, my T levels rose a lot. And I want to take a second to let you know what that did to me. My body hair was growing a lot faster again, and that makes me really dysphoric. There's a whole Trans Tuesday about it. Uh, My facial hair also was growing faster to the point where all of my time-intensive shaving against the grain every morning was no longer leaving my face smooth for an entire day. But the worst part of it was that it messed up my head. So many people on HRT will tell you how being on the right hormones made their heads feel right emotionally and physically and in basically any other way you can think of. And I could feel that slipping away. I could feel me slipping away. My dysphoria was going back up. I was starting to feel angry and confused and trapped and isolated and lonely and broken all over again. It literally felt like the core of who I am, the me, was being stripped away to be stuffed back inside that box I always kept her in before. And you want to know the wildest part? Just from my head and my emotions feeling wrong like they did before, I fell back into some things I always did back when I felt like that all the time without even realizing it. Such as what, Tilly? I'm glad you asked. On multiple occasions, I almost accidentally misgendered myself in my head. Three years into my social transition. That stopped a few months after I came out when I got used to being the real me. 
And now here it was happening again because I felt like I did back then. And do you know what else? I was surprised to discover when I went to the bathroom, I was peeing standing up. I haven't done that in years, even since before my social transition started. I didn't intend to do it. It just happened. And I realized midway through what was going on. I don't, didn't think anything of it at first because that's just what I always did when I felt this horrible before. It was definitely not helping my already wounded state. Caitlin, I want to ask you um, if you noticed mental and emotional changes that came along with uh, like uh, HRT. Like, have you ever had a time where you felt like you were losing that or anything? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thinking about all of what you just said and, and like yeah. that background, like as trans people, we have to become almost our own endocrinologist. You know, we read yep. and study so much and we have to have these arguments with doctors about what medication is doing to our body which in and of itself can cause a setback because for so many of us, we don't want to be argumentative with our doctors because they have the ability to, to end the care. Yep. Um, and so I think that's one. Um, but then also when I did move to Ireland, the way their national gender service worked was completely different than the healthcare I had in the US. The doctors I was able to go to here in North Carolina they practice informed consent. They were part of UNC and Duke Healthcare that has been trans affirming and has trans clinics. And I went back to Ireland and they started treating me, even though I had been out seven years, as if I had just come out. And they took all of my HRT prescriptions. They took them back to, to day one. Oh. And also in Ireland, you couldn't get injections. And by that point, I had been on injections for six years. So I had to figure out how to take pills again and like how to switch to like the gel, but it was also at such a low dose. Yeah. I could feel it, it almost felt like I had no hormones and I, I felt myself go into this depressive state where if I didn't have work, I would sleep until four or five in the afternoon, get up, maybe eat some food and then go back to sleep because it just felt like everything had went back to that gray area Yeah, because all of my medication had been completely jacked up. So yeah, I, I totally can feel that, that, that struggle of you catch yourself, misgendering yourself, questioning yourself. And it's all because someone else doesn't actually like listen to you or provide the best care. Yeah. And, and does it follow those uh, bodily and brain and emotional changes uh, happening weren't enough? I began to worry that the fat redistribution under the skin would also start start changing back and my face would morph back to the stranger I never recognized in the mirror for my entire life. And the largest part of my gender dysphoria always came from my face. I mean, a lot of other parts of my body too, but that was the worst. And so the thought of no longer even being able to see myself was terrifying. It was absolutely devastating. It wrecked me entirely. I was an emotional mess for weeks. And I was so, so mad that in order to get more of the body changes I want, breast growth and hips, I had to sacrifice all the other things I also want. Why does it have to be like this? It's so unfair. I didn't ask for this. Why can't I just be me and not have to deal with this? Can you even imagine what it's like to feel your identity is being stripped from you, ripped out of your mind and heart, leaving a cold shell behind? That's where I was and my body was getting more dysphoric in two entirely different ways at the exact same time. But HRT is always about finding the right balance, adjusting as you go, trying to get more of what you need and less of what you don't. And so I adjusted and now 
maybe I found an okay balance. Uh, my body hair is still growing faster than I like, but not as bad as before. My facial hair is back to staying gone for a day as long as I keep shaving it really close against the grain over and over again every morning. I'm still seeing the gains I want from the micronized progesterone, I think. My boobs hurt, so I'm pretty sure they're still growing. And I can see my little actual hips that make me totally euphoric. But above all, the hormones have adjusted enough that my brain, my thoughts, my personality, my me is back. I feel like myself again, and I'm so glad because those dark days where I felt almost like I was entirely cut off from the world again were so tough to deal with. Thank hey, you for being here, Caitlin. I had a question. Oh, ask me the question first, and then I'll thank Caitlin again. No, I was asking Caitlin. <laughs> oh, ask Caitlin. Were you able to like convince them to stop being stupid? like In Ireland? And give you your your higher hormone dose. Yes, I mean the good thing is I'm not in Ireland anymore, so I can say yeah. this clearly. No, I had to go to to DIY healthcare. Um, I I literally had to find it through Reddit because yeah, they they wouldn't listen, and then they just stopped calling me back. Um, and I think that's also a challenge a lot of trans people face in Ireland as well is if you talk back against them, they will just cut your care off immediately. Um, wow. That so, yeah, should not like, be a thing they're allowed to do. Yeah. And and that's that was just terrifying. It wasn't like they, they sent yeah. me an official one, but it was all of a sudden like, oh, well, we're just not going to call you back. We're not going to email you back. We're not going to update your prescriptions. So yeah, like having to then also go on DIY healthcare and, and trust that what someone was sending me in the was mail the right was, stuff. was the yeah. right stuff. And to inject myself with that, I think like that's really scary. And yeah. Hopefully, like, we can get to a place where no one has to experience that. But, yeah, that that was what I had to do. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm glad things are better for you now. <laughs> for sure. And thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you. You've thank been you. wonderful. Um, I want to remind the folks out there again um, that few things in life are nothing but a straight path of progress. There are going to be twists and turns, ups and downs, and sometimes it's going to feel like you're going backwards. That's just the way life works. It's normal. But when that happens, please do not give up. There is still a way forward, even if you can't see it at the time. It's hard work, but you can find the path back to where you want to be. And when it happens, remember, you're not the first person it's happened to, and you don't have to go through it alone. If Susan wasn't here to help me through it, the despair might have eaten me alive. Reach out to those who care about you when you need it. We can find that path forward together. Tilly Bridges and Transmission Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Jillian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash Tilly S. Bridges and on Insta at Heck Yeah Tilly Bridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at Tilly'sTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>